Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 69, Everybody's Favorite Games. Hey everybody, welcome back. It has been a crazy couple weeks for me at work. Um, long story short, I recently got told that the database server we're using, we're being evicted from, and we have to get a new one in two weeks. And that two weeks is this weekend, as a matter of fact. So I've been really going crazy, scampering, trying to get everything settled and get that worked out. Because of that, I haven't really had much time to prepare for the show. I've managed to play today's game, which is Pandemic The Cure, the dice game, more than a, a few times. Other than that, I really haven't had any time to prepare for the show at all. There's no news, no nothing else. So I am very fortunate that in November, on the One Player Guild, we had the top 100 people's choice games everybody got to vote for their top 20 games and user kevin erskine who uh set up the whole thing and ran and managed it took all that data tabulated and came up with the top 100 games he's been going through the last week uh revealing them 10 at a time it has been a blast to watch the list uh come along it's fun to see if, if your games are on there and what surprises there are and all that and just read all the discussion um he's been very gracious to let me announce the top 20 here in the podcast so as i said i don't really have any news or anything else so i'm just going to jump straight into this now if you aren't familiar with the way this worked each person that participated ranked their top 20 favorite games in order from most favorite to least favorite and then um then for each person that voted each game was given a number of points the number one game got 20 points, number two got 19 points, number three, 18, all the way down to the number 20 game, which got one point. All those points were then tallied and added up to figure out which is the most popular game, based on points. <clears throat> now, you weren't required to submit 20 games. Um, if you knew, if you had fewer games, you're welcome to do 10 or whatever number that was. Okay, so number 20 is Navajo Wars. This got 201 points and uh, 14 votes total. It uh, had four number one votes. Now this is a it's a large game. It's a very uh, I think epic game about the Diné people, the Navajo, and it it the game spans about I think three or four hundred years of history. Really interesting game, very unique game. Number nineteen is Thunderstone Advance. This one got two hundred and two points, so just a tiny bit more than th- than uh, Navajo Wars. It had sixteen votes. Again, a little bit of an increment, but the highest rank it got was actually the number three. This is a, a neat little uh, deck building game in which you're going into a dungeon and fighting monsters. The cards you buy for the deck are heroes and equipment you could find in town, as well as some of the monsters that you defeat. Number 18 is Elder Sign. This is the little brother to Arkham Horror. This got 209 points with 18 votes, and the highest rank was also number 3. This is a, I'm going to say, a Yahtzee-style game in which you're fighting uh, horrors from beyond time and space. And a very fun game, too. Number 17 is Ghost Stories with 232 points. 18 votes. The highest rank on that one was the, was uh, second place. I played this game once many years ago, and I didn't play it solo, so I really can't tell you a whole lot about it other than it was really hard and, well, honestly, a little bit overwhelming from what I recall. Though I have wanted to play it again. Number 16 is Onirim with 237 points, 23 votes, and the highest rank was number 2. I am honestly surprised this wasn't higher. Um, it is such a fun game and so much variety. I wonder if it's just because it's been kind of hard to find lately. Number 16 is Dawn of the Zeds. Uh, 242 points. The 
19 voters and the highest rank it got was a number one. This is the States of Siege zombie fighting game. It just got a recent expansion too. Number 14, uh, for those that have been waiting, Infection, Humanity's Last Gasp. It got 253 points total with 22 total votes. And the highest rank it got was a number three. This is a game about fighting diseases, much like the game we're talking about today. It is a, a very neat game, very puzzly. It's this is the game. This game is by John Gibson. It is a very, very fun game, and glad to see it so high on the list. Number thirteen is actually a game I played with my son tonight. This is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. It got two hundred and fifty-eight points with twenty-two total votes. Also, the highest rank it got was a number one. Number 12, At the Gates of Luoyang, with 290 points. Wow, it's a big jump of uh, 32 points. The two, 22 votes, just like the last two games, and the highest ranked this guy was a number one. This is such a, a neat game. It's it's really, well, it was designed for one through four players, and I think it's best at one, which is pretty unique. The 11th most popular solo game is Arkham Horror. This got 294 points with 21 total votes. And the highest rank it got was a number one. As a matter of fact, it had five number ones. And that is the most number ones yet. This is a big monster game. I assume it includes all the expansions. Or even if you want to leave them out. Um, it's a fun game. I like it because of the bigness. Unfortunately, I don't get to play it that often because of the bigness. Yeah, before we look at the top 10 solo games... Let's look at the top 10 war games from that list. All these were ranked. Number 10 is Hornet Leader, Carrier Air Operations. Number 9 is RAF, The Battle of Britain, 1940. Number 8, Labyrinth, The War on Terror. Number 7, The Hunters, German U-Boats, at war. Number 6, B-17, Queen of the Skies. Number 5, Zulus on the Ramparts. Number 4, Ambush. Number 3, Thunderbolt Apache Leader. Number 2, D-Day at Omaha Beach. And number 1, Navajo Wars. Now, we're ready to continue. Let's look at the top 10 games, finally. The 10th highest ranked game is Pandemic with 306 points, 24 total votes. The highest rank was a number 1 and 2 people voted number 1. This is a, a very neat cooperative game and it sort of, I think, re-kickstarted the idea of cooperative games back around 2005 or so when it came out. Um, and this game has been doing really well ever since. And it keeps launching spin-offs. Number 9. Race for the Galaxy with 309 total points, 24 votes, and the highest rank was only a 3. Now this is probably actually Race for the Galaxy using the first expansion which includes solitaire rules in there and, and the robot you could play with. Without that first expansion you'd have to play as a multiplayer game. Number 8 is Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Got 319 points with 23 total votes. And I got two number ones. I've only recently just started playing this game. I haven't learned it well enough to really have much of a comment on it. Other than it has a lot of cards. Um, number 7, Sentinels of the Multiverse. 330 points, 25 votes, and two number ones. This is a really neat... Uh, cooperative uh, superhero game that just carries the theme so well number seven no that was number seven number six gears of war the board game with 345 votes it uh got 25 votes total and one number one this is a game that i've heard about so many times and i have yet to try it looks really neat but it's got such a huge box that scares me away 
Number five is Space Hulk Death Angel. I got 366 points with 33 total votes. The highest rank was only a number two. It's a very neat little card game. Um, I'm not surprised it ranked so high because it is a ton of fun. The the number four game is Lord of the Rings: The Living Card Game. 462 points. Wow, that's 100 points more than the number five game. It had 34 votes and seven number one votes. This is a very neat living card game. Uh, basically like a collectible card game. I do think it suffers a little bit in that for it to be really fun, you need to buy a lot of expansions to have more variety in cards. But nonetheless, it's, it's a very well implemented game, and, and it is a lot of fun. Now these last three games, let me see, there was 45, I'm sorry, there were 85 people that participated, and all three of these got picked by more than half the people. So, these last two games were on most lists. Number three, Robinson Crusoe Adventure on the Cursed Island. 632 points. 43 votes and three number ones. It was a very neat, very thematic game. Number two, Friday. 713 points, 56 votes, and four number ones. This is a... A solitaire card game designed by Friedman Freeze. And finally, in the number one game, it, you probably know what it is already if you haven't heard, since you haven't heard it mentioned yet, and I think a lot of people are waiting for it, and most people picked it. 824 points. It is Mage Knight the board game. 46 people voted for it. Actually, it's even fewer people have voted for it than voted for Friday, which is really interesting. But it had 21 number one votes. And it, it carried it easily in first place. 100 points more than the second place. So there you go. Those are the top 20 ga solitaire games as the people have picked them. And the one player guild anyway. Okay, let's take a quick look at the top 10 co-op games. Number 10 is Ghost Stories. Number 9 is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Number 8, Arkham Horror. Number 7, Pandemic. Number six, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Number five, Sentinels of the Multiverse. Number four, Gears of War. Number three, Space Hulk Death Angel. Number two, Lord of the Rings The Card Game. And number one, Robinson Crusoe. You know, as I read them, I'm surprised. I've, I've actually played most of these games. I didn't realize that. I guess I really like co-ops. Let's see. Uh, okay, now let's look at the top ten solitaire, true solitaire games. These are games designed specifically for one player. And, you know, it's possible I have some of these a little bit wrong. I'm okay with that. Number 10 is RAF, The Battle of Britain. Number 9, The Hunters, The German U-Boats, At War. Number 8, Queen of the Skies. Number 7, Zulus on the Ramparts. Number 6, Ambush. Number 5, Thunderbolts, Apache Leader. Number 4, Oniram. Number 3, Dawn of the Zeds. And number 2, Infection, Humanity's Last Gasp. And number one, Friday. Well, six of these are war games. And finally, I want to look at the top print-and-play games. Now, this actually goes beyond 100. It was a little bit hard to find print-and-play games. I didn't... The, the way I did this, I excluded games where I only had one vote. At the point where there's only one vote, I dropped off any games that had that number or fewer points. So there was one or two games that might have had two votes, but I still left them out just because there were games that were ranked higher that only had one vote, 
And I think at that point, there just isn't enough votes to make it that meaningful. So number nine is Zombie in My Pocket with a rank of 133. Number eight, Micropool with a rank of 130. Number seven is Everything versus Everything with a rank of 119. Number six, Lord of the Rings The Adventure Deck Game, which is a neat little push your luck if you're not familiar with it, with 117. Number five is Eleven Seas for One with a rank of 110. Number four, Inception, the solo card game, with a rank of 108. Number three, Utopia Engine, with a rank of 100. Number two is Barbarian Prince, with a rank of 71. And finally, number one, Maki, with a rank of 56. Alright, so that's an all-around look at the top players' choice solitaire games for 2014. Again, thank you, Kevin, for letting me have the opportunity to go through this list. So today's game is Pandemic the Cure. It is uh, by designer Matt Leacock, the same person who designed the game Pandemic. Um, this game was published this year. It was actually just released a, a month or two ago. It is based on the game Pandemic. In, in both games, there's an outbreak of some bad diseases, and you're trying to find cures for the diseases before things get out of control and humanity is all messed up and out of luck. The, the difference is that in, in Pandemic, you're, you're traveling around on a board... Uh, from city to city and there's different lines connected on cities and you're going around moving on the board and there's cards you're using to fight the diseases with and pandemic the cure on the other hand the board is just five spaces representing each of the regions and everything is done using dice all the instead of having cards to to fight the diseases and to see where the outbreaks are you're using dice for all that so this game brings a lot of dice. I believe there's six or seven rows that you could play. Each row has five dice. And then there's, uh, gosh, I'd say like another 60 or so diseased dice um, in four different colors. And these are all custom dice. The diseased dice at first I thought were standard dice because they had pips like regular dice. But then I realized that the, the numbering is very uneven. As a matter of fact, where your normal die, you add up all the faces, you get 21. I believe with these, it added up to 18. They're all add up to 18, but it's distributed in different ratios among the different colors. Besides the dice, you do get some cards. You get cards for the different roles you could play, and you get cards for the events that you could, uh, you could purchase these, and they're generally all helpful. You also get a couple reference cards, and then you get a, a plastic ring, which is neat, sort of like a cribbage board in a circle is the way I imagine it, the way I think of it, and these little pegs to put in the in the holes in the board, and the pegs are little, cute little green syringes, and they're used to track the bad stuff. There's basically two tracks, one for outbreaks and one for the infection level. So, so the way the game works is you're going to start with the, the spring in the middle, which is the treatment center, and then around that you're going to have the six regions. Each one is numbered one through six. You have a bag with all diseased eyes in it, and you're going to pull out 12 dice and roll them. And whatever numbers come up, you're going to put them on the di you're going to put the diseases in the different regions, the corresponding regions. So if you roll a three, you put that die on the three region. Um, there's some restrictions on how you could set it up. Basically, you only have up to three dice per region. So if something if you have too much, you got to reroll some dice. And if you roll one of the plus signs, those are generally helpful. If you roll any of those at the start of the game, you got to reroll them. Because you got to have all 12 dice out in the region. And all the players are going to start in region 1, which is North America. 
and then the game begins with the first character, first player. Each player has a set of dice. I already mentioned that, right? And in their own color, the dice are different per player. Each, I'm sorry, per character. Each character has different abilities, and the dice sort of match that ability. For example, there's a medic. He's able to treat a lot of diseases in the regions and get the dice off the different regions. So as I said, each character has different dice. Well, different faces on their dice. You're going to roll your dice on your turn, and whatever faces you get determine what actions you have. There is a biohazard symbol on each die. If you roll the biohazard, that's bad. The infection rate goes up, and you move the syringe on that track up. Potentially, that could lead to an outbreak, which you're going to roll extra dice and add them to the regions, which can be bad. If you didn't get infections, or if you have other dice, you could then use them for whatever actions are represented by the dice. They could include moving dice from the different regions, from the region you're in, into the treatment center. Um, you can move it from the treatment center back into the bag. You can maybe uh, use it to find a cure. Basically, collect a sample. Um, just stuff. Some of the faces let you move from one region to another. There's different things, and most people have the standard ones, which are fly, uh, treat diseases, and collect samples, and, and of course, the biohazard. At any point, when you're playing, if you don't like the, the rolls you got, you got to keep the biohazards. You can roll the rest. So I might roll the dice and have five airplanes, which is not very useful. It means that turn I'm just going to be able to fly all around the map. I might want to keep one airplane because I want to go somewhere else and then re-roll the rest of the dice. Hopefully I don't get any biohazard symbols. If I do, that raises the infection rate. Um, any other dice, if they're usable, if they're useful for me, I could use them. Or I could re-roll them. Right? At any point I could decide to just stop my turn and not use the remaining dice. What you are trying to do in this game is find uh, cure the diseases. Find, find the cures for the four diseases. The way you do that is you collect the samples. At the end of your turn, you're gonna if you have any samples collected, you're going to roll all the sample dice you have collected of one color and if they total 13 or more you have cured that disease the very last thing you can do in your turn is pull dice out of disease dice at the bag roll them and put them out in the different regions this can trigger an outbreak which basically means if you have more than three dice of the same color in a region that causes an outbreak you raise the outbreak level and then move those excess dice to the next region which could in theory trigger another outbreak Sometimes when you roll the dice, you'll roll them on the side that has a plus symbol, like a, a medic symbol. Those, if you roll that, they go into a CD, the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control. It's a separate tile you have. Any of those dice that are there, you could use to buy event cards. During the game, there's always three event cards face up, and they do different things. Um, to, to do one of those events, you have to spend dice from the CDC space, a number of dice equal to whatever that event calls for. Uh, generally one, two, or three. So you to use those dice, you just take them from the CDC, throw them back in the dice bag, which puts them back into the pool. They may show up again now for diseases that go into regions, and play the card. Once you've played the card, then you draw another one to replace it. And you're basically going to be doing this until either the infection rate goes all the way up, the outbreak rate goes all the way up, or you run out of dice in the dice bag. Generally, one of those three are going to happen. The other way the game could end is if you actually happen to cure all four diseases. If you do that, you win the game. It's basically the game. A lot of this probably sounds really familiar to you if you already played Pandemic, the original Pandemic. The game is very similar, has very similar feel, um, and it has a very familiar feel, but at the same time, it is very different. It's uh, 
I think it's a lot more luck based because you're just rolling dice. You never know. You may have bad rolls one game or you may have great rolls. And that does seem to impact the game a lot. I had games where uh, my first draw immediately had three uh, outbreaks, which is which meant, oh, which is bad news. I just immediately had to add three more dice to the regions. And it's a very bad roll on your very first turn. I don't know if it's a bad roll on any turn, I guess. I'd say I generally really like the game. I've had a lot of fun playing it. There's a lot of things to like about it. Um, the components are very attractive. The the ring is really cool. The, the I guess the treatment center. It's a plastic ring, like I said. It it comes in two parts, and you put it together as a puzzle, but mine came together. Apparently, there have been some quality issues with it. Mine, the, the holes on the ring are a little bit off-center, but it's totally usable, totally fine. One of the holes is a little bit too small, so I had to take a knife and carve it a little bit bigger. The uh, syringe wouldn't really fit into it very well. Other than that, it's great. All the dice are custom. They're really pretty. Colorful, clear acrylic. At least all the disease eyes. All the character dice, again, are all different. The cards all look really nice. The graphic design for the whole game, is it's different from Pandemic. It's very consistent. It's really neat. I liked it a lot. I do like it a lot. You could tell they put a lot of thought into it. For example, the the character cards are actually ID badges and the little holes punched out in the top. So you could, suppose if you really want to, you could wear like an ID badge. You know, the game plays really quickly. You know, I haven't timed it. I could play a game or two. I could play a couple games in an hour, maybe even a little less than that. You know, from setup to tear down, it sets up really fast. You pull out all the ring, the ring, roll the twelve dice, and set them up in the regions. Draw five random cards. Um, draw some random cards for different characters you're playing. Get their dice out and start playing. It's it's you know really really fast. And putting away is also super fast. This is there's seven different roles you can play. Every time I've played, I've, I've shuffled the the rolls and picked one randomly. They all play very differently, and depending what combinations you have, I well, I tend to play with two or three rolls, and depending on combinations I've had, it really changes the strategy and the way I've had to play. So I think that's pretty cool. I have found the game extremely hard. I have lost definitely most of the games I've played. I've I only won one game with three characters finally uh, last night actually, and that I felt kind of like I had well I had a ton of great rolls at my. Uh, Infection rate barely went up, so I think luck does play into this. But at the same time, you have to plan well, and you know having experience is going to make a difference for sure. There are different ways to adjust the difficulty by by adjusting the infection rate. You could start at there's a default setting, which is actually the fourth space. If you want it easier, you could go to the left of that, or you could start to the right of that. And it's basically going to mean you could roll fewer infection dice. I didn't mention, but as the infection rate goes up. You eventually have to start rolling more dice at the end of each turn. I, I did mention at the end of each turn, you pull out three dice in the bag and you roll them, and yet that's the regions. When the infection rate has gone up a couple times, you're now rolling four dice instead of three every turn. And then when it goes up a couple more times again, then you're going to start rolling five dice. So at that point, the game's getting really, really tough and desperate. So the obvious question is is this a better game or is the original Pandemic a better game? And. You know, I'm not going to answer that honestly because I don't know. I enjoy them both and they're both very different. I would see this one getting played more just because it's so much quicker to set up and play so easy, quickly. On the other hand, there's a lot of different expansions for Pandemic that are all very different and very interesting that add a lot to the game. Now, I bet you at some point they can start adding expansions to this. I mean, I could see the potential for other diseases. All the dice for the diseases are the same. I could see where they might come out with some 
to make one DCs a little bit harder. Some new roles might come out. A lot, there's a lot of potential. But they are definitely both fun games. I do, I do think I actually voted this one a little bit higher than the original Pandemic in the in my top twenty for the Players' Choice Awards. Yeah, actually I did. So I I rated this a twelve and I rated Pandemic a sixteen. Um, though I'll admit my rating was a little bit arbitrary, or at least it seems sometimes uh, it's so hard to tell the difference between some games. Um, I haven't mentioned the rule book yet. Um, it's a really nice rule book. It's very surprisingly brief there's not much to the game so there's not much that needs to explain it looks great it's really easy to follow however i did find that there are some things missing in there for example i well it wasn't it but it's easy to miss the once you've cured a disease it's easy to treat it after that anytime you treat a disease with one of the dice you automatically treat all the dice in the region not just a single one um, so when I was trying to find that rule later, it, it took me forever to find it because it was hidden in a section titled Note. It, it wasn't described as an actual rule. Um, there's also a few conf- things that are not 100% clear about how the roles work. I think it's because I'm trying to read too much into it maybe. But I do wish the rules had a little more text just to, to clarify and give peace of mind for those things. I, I will say, if you don't like randomness too much, you're probably going to prefer Pandemic over Pandemic the Cure. There is a lot of die rolling, and it, it really will make a huge difference in the game. You know, for example, there's, um, I believe if you roll something like 16 infection symbols, you lose the game immediately because you've reached the end of the infection track. You have no control over that. Obviously, if you roll the die, it's an infection. If you rolled it 16 times, you lose the game no matter how how well you're doing everywhere else. And I think sometimes that could be a little frustrating if you don't like it, but... You know, if you know that's what it is, and it's not that hard to deal with, I think. In terms of how many rows to play, I haven't tried it with just one row. I imagine it's playable. I found it easier with two and more challenging with three. And I think the more you add, it's just going to get harder because there's, there's t- more time passing between your turns. Then again, it's probably the same as it is with regular Pandemic. So if you've got experience with that and you've played with a lot of people, I'd say it's probably comparable. Alright, well, that is all. Um, this is a game I've really enjoyed. It's Pandemic the Cure. A very fun option for solitaire gaming. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek, for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.